0: This passage, um, it's from Mark chapter 4, the story we see here of uh, Jesus and his disciples um, on a stormy sea. This passage always reminds me of a story that my dad told me of a time when he was a kid. He was uh, about, he said he was about 12 years old, and his father took him um, on a, uh, went on a boating trip, uh, and they took a co-worker and the co-worker's son, who was about my dad's age, so there were four of them on the boat, and um, they went for, they went for a, a trip on the lake. They, they're from Rochester, lived in Rochester, so they sailed across to Ontario to Canada. There was a couple days they were gone. Um, and while they were sailing, they, they heard that there was a, a storm coming in, a bad storm. So my grandfather decided that they should sail back through the night to try to beat the storm. Um, but unfortunately, that storm rolled in while they were uh, still out there on the lake. And uh, my dad said that him and the other young boy, they were in the cabin, it was at night, and they were sleeping on cots uh, on the floor of the cabin. And they woke up in the middle of the night to hear the storm. Um, And they said you could see water coming in. It was, I guess, they found out later there was a crack in the hull, um, and water was slowly coming in. So from their cots, they could look down, they could see the water level beginning to rise inside of their cabin. Um, He's 12 years old, can you imagine? And so this is the thing. He said that he remembers waking up and, like, seeing the water and, like, and seeing the other young boy starting to just freak out. You, you, I can't really blame him, but, like, freaking out, like, oh, my gosh, we're not going to make it. We're going to drown. We're going to die. And so my dad said he grabbed the boy, and just like you would in a movie, he slapped him to, like, <laughs> calm him down. He's like, calm down. And he said, we've got to get the water out of here. So my dad, there was a, a hand pump, I guess. He said he put a hand pump down in the water, and, like, just like that, you pump it, and it goes out of hose out the window, and the other boy grabbed a bucket and was bucketing water, and he said all night long, all night long, they just pumped water out of that um, boat just to keep the water level from rising. And um, they'd made it. They, they made it back to Sodus Bay, which isn't exactly where they were going, but it was close enough that they just uh, parked the boat there and, and got a ride home. Um, and I can't imagine... Uh, you know, spending a night in a stormy boat as an adult, let alone as a 12-year-old, that would be um, a little bit terrifying. And it's crazy to think what uh, desperate situations like that can cause you to do. And it's crazy what being in a storm could lead you to do, like man a pump all night long. Being in a storm reveals who you really are. So this morning, I want to challenge you to realign your hope. That's the theme of our, uh, our reading from the book of Mark this week, is realign your hope. And I want to challenge you to do that this morning. Uh, and what do I mean by realign your hope? I mean to adjust, to reset the things that you're hoping for. If your hope uh, is in people, if your hope is in situation and things working out, If you've put your hope in just the dumb luck of the universe to go your way, you're going to be disappointed. And most of you around this room have lived long enough to experience that, to know if you're just hoping things are going to work out, they probably won't. But the Bible is very clear um, that if you put your hope in God, he will not disappoint you. That doesn't mean things will always work out. It doesn't mean you won't get sick, your cars won't break down, Whatever. But it does mean that God will not disappoint you. It's black and white, his word, God will not disappoint you. So that's what we need to put our hope on. Amen? Hope defined is a feeling of expectation, something you're looking forward to, something you're expecting. Um, but another uh, definition I found I really liked was it's a happy anticipation of a good thing. So not only is it something that I expect is going to happen, but it's something that I feel positive about, something I'm looking forward to. So not only do I have a good reason to expect this to happen, I want it to happen. So let me ask you what are you hoping for this month, this year? What are you hoping will happen? What good thing? Are you expecting will happen this year? If our hope is in God, if our hope is in what God will do, then we can expect good things. Here's a question, though. How do we realign our hope? The definition I gave you of hope is it's a feeling of expectation, right? And how do we realign our feelings? Let's just be honest. We're, I know we're in a church, but let's just be honest, guys. It can be really hard to control our feelings. How do you make yourself feel hopeful, especially if there's a storm, especially if things are difficult, things are stressful, things aren't working out? How do you feel hopeful? You know, you can't just like, you know, what I'm going to be happy about this today. Doesn't work like that, right? So how do we do that? Well, we're look at this story here in Matthew uh, chapter four, and it's easy to feel hopeful when things are going well, right? And so the story we we start with, uh, the story we're going to read this morning, it starts with um, the disciples and Jesus. And this is earlier in Jesus' ministry. He has just started uh, teaching a lot, and people are really liking him. He's kind of gathered a a following of people, and he's doing miracles, and people are excited about that, and they're bringing people to him. Um, So that must have been a really exciting time for the disciples you know, to be a part of this thing, this new exciting thing, and everyone's gathering around. This is the Messiah. So my guess is they're feeling pretty good at this point. So they've been ministering all day, healing people, preaching and stuff like that. And Jesus says at the end of the day, at night, the Bible says at evening, he says, hey guys, let's get in the boat. Let's go check out with something across this lake. Let's, let's see what's on the other side here. So they do that. Now, we know that at least four of these, his followers, were fishermen, right? For the story previously, when I talked about when we call them right out of their fishing lifestyle, we know at least four of them are fishermen, right? So you think one of them would have said, maybe we shouldn't sail across the sea in the middle of the night. Or, where exactly are we going? And do we have all the supplies we need? Um, but nobody questioned Jesus, at least not in the story. It says, he said, let's go. They cast off, they took off their boat. So, Um, I assume they were feeling pretty good about it. But they quickly learned that it's a lot harder to be hopeful when you're in a storm, right? All that cheeriness goes away pretty quickly. So we can read verse 37 and verse uh, 38. The storm, storm comes in. Great windstorm comes, and there's wind, and there's waves beating against the boat, and the water's beginning to fill the boat. It's looking pretty bad, right? But Jesus... He was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. So, I have a couple questions. First, where did Jesus get a pillow from? I mean, do all of these boats have a pillow in the stern? Like, what is the deal with that? Um, And also, how is he sleeping through a storm? I'm picturing, like, maybe thunder and lightning and wind and waves and the men freaking out and Jesus is just asleep. Like, how is he sleeping? And so, you know, one of the things I read, one of the Bible studies I read suggested that Jesus was sleeping on purpose. He was asleep to test the faith of his disciples. I kind of wonder, maybe, maybe he was sleeping with one eye open, like in the, in the stern, like just kind of watching. Like, what are they going to do? Like, oh, look at that. They're freaking out. Um, so maybe that's what it was. Maybe he wasn't totally asleep. Maybe he was exhausted and just out. Um, so he wanted to see how they would respond in this Stressful situation. Um, they didn't respond well, uh, as we'll see. Hope finds its true expression under trial. Hope is really expressed when it's tested. In fact, Paul the Apostle even says that hope that is not seen, the way, hope that is seen is not really hope. So if the thing you're hoping for you already have, then that's not really hope, that's just having. Hope is when you don't know, when you can't see it, and you have to believe for it. Another way to say that, another way to put that would be you don't really know what, what you're hoping for until it's tested. So it's easy to say that you trust in God's provision. How many of you would say you trust in God's provision? And it's easy to say you trust in God's provision when you have a job that pays the bills. How many of you trust in God's um, care for your health? And it's easy to say that when you're healthy and you're well and you're strong. But when you get laid off, or when you get sick, suddenly you realize, you know, maybe I was trusting at least a little bit in my own ability to work and pay the bills. Maybe I was trusting a little bit in my own strength. And you start to realize that once you go through something difficult. The storm reveals where your hope really is, as we found from the disciples. So faced with this storm, the disciples, they wake up, or No, they wake up Jesus, and they're like, come on, what are you doing? And they, they even accuse him of not caring. Like, don't you care? We're about to die in this storm. All right, think about that for a second. These guys, they believe that he is the Messiah who's come to save their people. He's the son of God come to save humans, and now they're accusing him of not caring. But of course, in that moment, I'm sure they're not, they're not really thinking it through. So they say, "Don't you care that we are perishing?" And they uh, so they wake up Jesus, and uh, what does he do? It says in verse thirty-nine, he awoke, and he said to the wind, and he said to the sea, "Peace, be still." You know, I wonder, how did he say those words? In the video that we watched a little bit earlier, they they show him like shouting at the storm, right? Shouting to be heard, um, and then it stops. But I don't know, I always kind of pictured it more of a calm, like peace, be still, you know, that kind of thing. Another translation actually translates it a little differently. It says, be quiet, settle down. And and now I kind of wonder, like maybe one of the disciples was like, Jesus, Jesus, wake up! And Jesus turns to the disciple, and he's like, listen, I'll Hang on. Will you knock it off over there? Settle down. Okay, what was I saying? Almost as if he's just like telling them, hey, settle down. Either way, whenever Jesus speaks, he brings peace into the situation. Whenever he speaks, whenever you hear Jesus' voice, he brings peace. Now, in this particular situation, his words brought peace to the storm. But that doesn't always happen. Sometimes the situation doesn't change. Sometimes there's still a storm. Sometimes there's still bills to pay or still sickness or whatever else it might be that's causing stress in your life. But whenever he speaks, it brings peace to our hearts. Have you ever experienced that? When you're going through something difficult and then you hear Jesus say something. Maybe it's um, just an impression you got. Maybe it's a, 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 you know, something in the Bible that jumped out at you. Maybe it was something that somebody else said but you hear what you know is the voice of Jesus. And often it can be something simple. Like I know there's times in my life when I felt like Jesus said, Ben, I love you. Now that's really simple. Any Sunday school school kid could tell you, Jesus loves me, this I know, right? And it's not just a simple thing, but it's what I needed to hear in the moment. Have you ever experienced that where Jesus said something that might've been super simple, but it's what you needed to hear in the moment? We all have our favorite Bible verses Um, Maybe we even have notes written down in our Bible of things that we we heard or that we learned that we knew was important and we wrote those things down. Those things are so important. We need to remember the things that Jesus has said to us because when you're in a storm, it's really easy to lose track of those. If we're not listening carefully, it's really easy for the storm to drown out Jesus' voice. So we've got to remember those moments, those things that he has said to us, those things that bring us peace in those moments. So we can see that uh, Jesus challenged his disciples' uh, fearful response. If we go into verse 40. It says, The wind ceased, and there was a great calm, and then he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you, ha- you still have no faith? And actually another version says, Why are you being such cowards? ouch, you know. Why are you so afraid? What are you scared of? Do you still have no faith? He made a connection between their fear and their faith. When their fear of the storm increased, their faith was diminished because fear looks at the situation. Fear only sees the bad. Fear sees the problem, but faith sees Jesus. Sees Jesus... In the situation. Now, I honestly don't think the disciples had no faith. I think Jesus might have been a little hard on them to say the disciples had no faith. These are guys who left their lives. They left their families. They left their jobs to follow him because they believed who he said he was. So they had some faith, okay? But in the presence of a storm, they acted like they had no faith. You hear me? How many of you guys have faith in Jesus, but situations have caused you to act like you have no faith? You know what I mean? That's what happened to these guys. It wasn't like they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't know who Jesus was. They didn't think God was real. No, they believed. But in the moment, faced with a the storm, they lost. They acted like they had no faith, and they didn't know what to do. The problem is not um, that they had no faith. that They acted like they had no faith. They forgot who was in their boat they believed Jesus was, was the son of God, but they just forgot that he was in the boat. They forgot that he was the one who controlled the earth. He was the one who controlled the, the wind and the waves. They just forgot. And I can't blame them. I mean, they're in the middle of a storm feeling like they're about to drown. So, um, think about this for a second. Just Jesus said the disciples showed no faith. But what do you think somebody with great faith would have done differently? And he's saying, well, you guys didn't respond with faith. What should they have done? That's kind of what I was thinking as I was reading it this week. Maybe if somebody had great faith, when they got in the boat, they would have heard from God there's a storm on the lake and gone around it. Or maybe if they had really great faith, they would have just like, not been afraid. I'm not scared and just keep rowing. We're going to make it through this. Maybe they wouldn't have bothered Jesus in his little nap in the stern. And maybe they would have, with great faith, would have just like, don't wake up Jesus. I got this. Waves, be gone. And just spoke to the waves themselves. I don't know. I would suggest that a person of great faith in that situation still would have come to a storm, still would have been afraid, and still would have woken up Jesus. But the approach would have sounded different. Instead of saying, don't you care that I'm about to die? A faithful response might have said, Jesus, this storm is bad, and I'm scared, and I'm not going to make it. But I know that you're in the boat, and I know what you can do, and I know you can take care of this. I know this is not too big for you. I know you can handle this. That's, I think, that's what faith would do. Faith doesn't mean you don't have storms. It doesn't mean you're not scared of storms. It doesn't mean that you're not worried about stuff in life. It means when that stuff happens, you say, Jesus is in my boat, and it's going to be okay because he is here. No matter what happens with my finances, with my health, with my family, with everything else, Jesus is in the boat with me, and so it's going to be okay. That's what I feel like great faith would have done. So, when you focus on the storm, you act like you have no faith. But when you focus on Jesus, you find hope. If you focus on the storm, if you focus on the problem, if you focus on this is what I can't overcome, then you begin to act like you have no faith. When you focus on Jesus, then you have that hope that things will be okay. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, I was serving as the director for um, Camp Judah, which is a uh, a kids summer camp that we put on, um, and it was actually the first night. We had a a whole day uh, with our staff, our counselors, and other staff were there, and we did some training with them. Um, and then the ca- campers showed up, and we uh, got them assigned in their cabins, and everything. We we're ready to go on this week of camp. And I got to tell you that first night, I was so discouraged, which is unusual. Usually, that first night, you're just like woohoo, um, but I was just like ready to give up. Uh, there were some problems with a staff member, um, and I think some parents were complaining about something, and it just was like, I don't know, I was just, I think I was really, really tired going into it, and I just was not in a good place, and I was just, I was done. It was the first night, and I was ready to be done. Um, and so I called a friend of mine, really I just wanted to, to vent and complain, but I called him and I was like, this is what's happening, this, this person is, you know, did this, and it's, that made me mad, and this kid was messing up, and, and I, I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to give up. And you know what he said? He said, it's good. That's good. And I'm like, did you not hear what I said? I said, I'm ready to give up. Like, this is the situation. And he's like, no, 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 that's good. That's good. You, ready to give up, is good. You realizing you can't do this, that's good. I think, I think I actually said it, I can't do this. And he's like, good, you can't do this. Jesus can do this. And when you're in a place that you realize, I can't do this on my own, I can't make it through this on my own, you're in a good place, actually. Because that's a place where God can move. The, the Bible tells us that. It says, um, when we are weak, that makes room for him to be strong. So that's, that's good when we say, I'm weak here. I can't do this. Jesus, I need you. And I realized, I, you know, I repented and I realized, I said, God, this is, this is not about me being strong enough already. This is about what you want to do. Um, and I had to go through some situations I probably wouldn't have picked I had to deal with some stuff and other people that I probably wouldn't have chosen to. But it was good for me, and it was good for them. And I think it's something that God had planned for me to come to that place of feeling like I, had to, I, I couldn't do it so that he could bring me through. And I know that it was only because of him. So When you focus on the problem, it, it, it often leads you to feeling like you're going to give up. Kind of like I told you that story in the beginning about my dad and that other young man, when he's seeing the water filling the boat, just went hysterical, like, oh my gosh, we're not gonna make it. I give up. That happens to us. I, I don't know about you guys, it happens to me. You see the situation, that's a problem, and you think, I give up. I can't do this. Like I said, the storm reveals what you hope in. Earlier, I gave you this question. I said, How do you make yourself feel hopeful? And I wanna give you this answer. When you feel hopeless, Put your focus on Jesus. When you start to feel hopeless, when you start to feel like this is going to not work out, put your focus, put your attention on Jesus. Look really quickly at the disciples' response um, after he uh, calmed the storm. It says that they were filled with great fear. And they said to each other, Who is this? That, who is this that calms the, the wind and the waves? He speaks to them and they stop. You know, they start to think, who, who do we got mixed up with? Who is this guy who just, like that, speaks to storms? They were filled with great fear. I don't know what, what word you have in your Bible. There's um, translated a couple different places. We see fear, great fear, overwhelming fear, terrified. The fear that's being described here is like, a, uh, it's a real, a real deep fear. So, they had found something we see that they didn't stop being afraid. Once the storm was calmed, the disciples didn't stop being afraid. They found something that was more deserving of their fear, something that was more deserving of their attention. At first, the disciples feared the storm, but when Jesus showed his power, they feared him more than they feared the storm. I'll show you something really interesting. There's actually two, if you look at verse 40, in verse 41, you'll see the word fears in both those verses or some form of that word, fear or terror, is in both of those. Um, and I would say, if you're allowed to, I'd suggest you underline. If you are one of those Bibles, you can underline it. I'd say underline those two different words because I want to show you something about those two words. Um, there's actually two different types of fear that are being described here. There's two different words that are being used um, and I won't go into a lot of detail on the Greek here because I don't know Greek that well, but what I found was that's in verse 40, the Greek word uh, means cowardly, like what Jesus said to them. Uh, Why are you being cowards? Or timidity, almost like they were anxious and worried about it. But the word that's used in verse 41 is a different Greek word, which means like uh, a deeper, reverential fear, awe, deep respect, is a different kind of fear cowardice was changed to awe when they looked at Jesus. It changed the focus of their fear and it changed the type of their fear. Now, most Bible commentators would agree that this story is not about Jesus always calms storms for people. The point of this story is that Jesus is more powerful than anything. Do you hear me? When you read this story, don't think, oh, great, Jesus is going to calm my storm. When you read this, say, wow, Jesus is more powerful than anything here on earth. He is more powerful than a failing economy. He is more powerful than a contagious virus. Amen? He is more powerful than all of the other things that we find ourselves against. And I can't promise if and when he's going to stop the storm that's in your life, but I can promise you if you put your hope in him, you will not be disappointed because he is that good and he is that big. If you ever find yourself in a storm, you ever find yourself in this situation, don't forget who's in your boat. Don't forget who's on your side. Don't forget who's got your back. That should give you hope. That should give you hope. Putting your focus on Jesus, saying who he is and how much he loves us and what he's capable of, that should give you hope, no matter what you're going through. A few months ago, um, you, many of you know, a few months ago I, I actually got COVID, Uh, It was back in November, and I was sick for about a week, a little over a week I was sick. And um, I was sick, and I was exhausted, and I was drained, and I spent an embarrassing amount of time sleeping or sitting on the couch, and it was just, it it was an awful couple of weeks. And I'll be honest, I got pretty discouraged, and I found myself saying crazy things to myself like, what if I never get better? What if I spend the rest of my life just sitting on this couch? What if I spend the rest of my life eating pudding and saltines? What if I spend the rest of my life, like, just tired and, and not wanting to do stuff? I know, I know it's ridiculous. I was sick for 10 days, right? But it, I was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't take it anymore. And I knew in that moment that I needed to strengthen myself spiritually, and Psalm 23 came to mind, you know, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, which is what it felt like, and I came to the end where it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I found a promise that goodness and mercy would follow me. And I just kept repeating that over and over and over again Mercy and goodness, mercy and goodness will follow me. And my brain said, Yeah, 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 but what if you never get better? And I went, Doesn't matter, mercy and goodness. Whatever you never go back to work again, mercy and goodness. What if you get sicker and you die? Mercy and goodness will follow me. That's what it says. It doesn't say that things will always work out, but it says mercy and goodness will follow me. And I began to focus and I began to put my attention on what he said to me. And it changed. It gave me hope inside. It changed how I felt. And then I did get better. Amen? So if you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling worried about a situation, if you're feeling stressed about a situation, I want to challenge you this morning. Do something about it. Put your attention back on Jesus. Put your focus back on Jesus. Take it off of the problem. I'm not saying the problem's not real, but take your focus off that problem and put it back on Jesus. And you'll begin to feel hope again. Remind yourself who's in your boat. You know, we could learn a lesson from David here, who who wrote many of the Psalms, and there's one Psalm in particular, it's 42, where he says to himself, he feels himself feeling depressed, and he says to himself, yo, why are you so down? Hope in God. God has helped you before, and God will help you again. Don't be so down. Don't be so discouraged. You have a hope. And sometimes we need to talk to ourselves like that. Like, hey, why why are you so down? Why are you so upset? Why are you so worried? You have a hope in a God who will not disappoint you. A God who commands the wind and the waves and the storms and all of our lives. Put your hope in that. So like I said, I want to challenge you this morning to realign your hope, take your attention off of your bad situation and put it back on Jesus. And I, I would suggest the easiest way to put your attention on Jesus is to read the Bible, especially read the gospel, which is fitting because that's what we're reading these days. But Read the Bible. Even better, memorize some scripture. You know, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. came back to me because I've memorized it. Memorize some scripture. Give yourself something uh, to hold on to. And if you're not in a storm, maybe some of you are not worried about a whole lot. Maybe life is going good for you right now. Now's a great time to familiarize yourself with Jesus and who he is and his word and and get some of those uh, promises and some of those things he says deep in you so that when a storm hits, you don't lose sight of it. Another really, really good way to focus on Jesus is to share with somebody else. Tell somebody else, this is something good that He has done for me. It's amazing how you could know something, you can believe something, but when you say it to somebody else, it becomes so much more real, it becomes more concrete. So if Jesus has done something good in your life, I would suggest you share it to somebody else. Text them, call them, tell somebody else so they can rejoice and it will increase your hope. Don't let yourself focus on your problems. Put your focus on Jesus. He is our hope. I'm going to pray for you guys, all right? Lord Jesus, we thank you, we thank you um, for who you are and for what you've done for us. We thank you for the, how much you love us, and then we can put our hope in you no matter what's going on. I pray that you would come into situations and you would bring healing where there is healing needed. I pray that you would stretch forth your hand, you would speak your words, and people would be filled with strength and healing today. You know, we've been reading in the gospel, and there's so many times in the book of Mark where he heals people. I believe he's a God who heals. If you're in need of healing or you know someone who needs healing, just lift your hand right now. Jesus, I pray you would look around this room and you would see those who are in need of healing, and I pray healing and strength to those who are in a place of need. Even today, Lord, you're healing to them. Thank you, Jesus. We also pray for, for provision, for finances. We pray for situations to be resolved that are difficult. But even in the lack of healing, even the lack of finances, even the lack of, of, of fixed situations, we put our hope in you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 I encourage you guys, if you are reading, keep reading. Um, it's been good. Stick with it. If you haven't started uh, reading the Book of Mark yet, now's a great time to jump in. Um, be blessed. Have a good week. I'll see you guys next week.